0: Well, I'll tell you, this morning I think I saw Paul about as excited as I've ever seen him. I didn't know he gets that excited. But I guess when the Lord gets a hold of you, why he does that. I uh, happened to have uh, breakfast with him, what was it, Tuesday morning, I think. And he said he breathed a heavy sigh. He said, I'll be glad when Friday evening is here. And uh, so I text him Friday evening I said, is there reason to rejoice? And he affirmed that that there was. Also maybe just to mention that uh, tonight, nothing was mentioned about tonight's service. When I was about eight years old, uh, God did a work in the lives of some young men who were in the military base down in Peru, Indiana, and uh, Grissom Air Force, and uh, those were the days. I was eight years. I think I was around eight years old, and uh, and God was was stirring at the base down there, and men were coming to know the Lord, and uh, that's when Andrew Pay and Collier Berkshire, Renee Montalvo, Howard Rogers. Uh, Joe Vasquez, Let's see, who else? Ken Harding, I believe, huh? Men who gave their hearts to the Lord and walking with the Lord. And some are still doing very well in their relationship with the Lord. Well, who would have funked who it, like some people say, right? That a man who was, who, uh, was in the army would someday meet a young Amish girl. And today they are married and have established a home. So if you're interested in hearing that story, be here. Yes, amen. I'd like to invite you to turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I uh, am taking a little bit of a deviation. As many of you know that the Series I've been teaching on the Family Strengthening Family series. And, um, all right, I'm not getting a response there, Daryl. I'm not sure. Do I have a uh on off switch? I'm not sure here. I'm not finding it. Uh, the uh. I'm uh, doing the series and the um we were anticipating to have a visiting minister here this morning and uh, just last minute because of the wedding and then last minute there was a uh, a family member that is on the deathbed that they did not come to the fun- or to the wedding and uh, so I sort of was uh, put in here last minute and I just didn't feel prepared as properly as what I the, the next focus will be on on fathers I want to speak to the fathers and I just didn't feel adequately prepared for that so I deviated a little bit and I want to talk about another subject something that I've been wanting to share with you anyhow and uh, it is concerning the spiritual gifts and one of the exercises that we as a pastoral team are doing this summer, I have uh, informed them several months ago, and we've started it, and um, we're just looking at the gifts that are amongst us in the pastoral team. I don't know if it's just my, um, if, it's, if, it's, if it's actually true or not, but it, it seems that there's an insinuation, at least from my perception in the past growing up, that we, when I say we, and the Mennonite, conservative Mennonite church, we have not placed a lot of emphasis on the spiritual gifts. And I'm not quite sure why not. Um, and I think there's value. I think if there's value, if it's, if it's put in scripture, I think it's, there's value there to take a look at it. And I know that you've heard me encourage you already when we come together for times of, of uh, uh, reorganizing. We do that on a yearly basis and we need teachers and we need other people to fill roles and responsibilities. And you've heard me say, uh, please don't sit there and think, now who wasn't in for a while? And vote that person in. But rather think about the gifts that are there. And because if we hitch up the right person with the right, uh, with the right responsibility or, or a responsibility that they're gifted in, they're fulfilled and you're fulfilled. That's the scripture. It says that, that you're edified. And that's what we want to look at this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of the scripture. It's a little bit lengthy, but I think we're going to read the entire uh, chapter in, in 1 Corinthians 12 starting verse 1 Now concerning spiritual gifts brethren I do not want you to be ignorant You know that you were Gentiles carried away with to dumb uh, to these dumb idols however you were led Therefore make known to you sorry therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of God calls Jesus a curse and no one can say that Jesus is lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the, through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit, for in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand... I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would be the body? Where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again to the, uh, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have the gift of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And the answer would be no but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Let's just pause again for prayer. Thank you, Father, for this word that you've given to us. And as we divide it, may you, as we look at it, may you rightly divide this word to our hearts to understand it and be edified by it. Amen. You may be seated. This morning I would like to look sort of at an overview of this passage of Scripture along with several other passages of Scripture along the same theme. Not so much at the gifts themselves or how they function, what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are. At some point I would like to uh, teach on that. But more a little bit more of an overview of uh, of, of this passage of Scripture. The objectives... For spiritual charisma, there's four things that I see in this passage of Scripture that I'd like to highlight this morning. The first one that I would like to look at is that the differing gifts potentially unify the body of Christ. And we see that in verses 4 through 6. It's talking about the diversities of the gifts. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries. And then again in verse 6, there are diversities according of activities. Three times, twice it says there are diversities, and another time it says that there are differences of ministries. I'm intrigued with the use of words that are chosen to promote unity in the body of Christ. Diversity is not a word I would think about when I would try to explain unity. I would think of words like oneness, cohesion, harmony, single-mindedness to describe unity. But not often do I think of the words of difference, diversity, or something like that. And by the way, those two are, are really the same words in the, in the, in the Greek uh, diversity and differences are the same in the original language. It means a distinction or a variety. So Paul sets the pace to call us to unity by uh, by 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 recognizing that there are differences among us, and there is strength in diversity. There can be unity. In diversity, the very thing that has the potential to draw us together and unify us also poses the greatest threat to separate us and cause differences among us. Now before we go too far into that thought, I'd like to step back and go into the first couple verses of this passage uh, because obviously there was something amiss in the Corinth church. Now we have to remember that these were first generation Christians. These were people uh, that, were, that were, uh, had just come to know the Lord. And Paul wanted to make sure that they were not ignorant about spiritual gifts. Paul recognized, and according to what is insinuated here, it says that they, that they had been Gentiles that were carried away unto dumb idols. And so he realizes that they had a history that was, that was uh, familiar to many of the Old Testament idolatry. As first-generation Christians, it is often easy for someone to associate or to integrate the, the past with the present. We experienced that when we were up north. And I, my mind is thinking especially of a, of a uh, middle-aged uh, uh, friend of ours, a sister in the Lord uh, among the, uh, the, the native people. And uh, I remember her coming to me one day after church. And, and, and she was sort of shy. She was embarrassed. I could tell she was embarrassed about it. Teresa had, had come to know the Lord, and then had, uh, before that was before we had gotten to know her, and then at some point had, had, had walked away from it, was not walking with the Lord like she should have, but had then moved back into the reserve there uh, that we were working on. We got to know her on that second time, and she had come back to know the, to walk with the Lord. And it was doing very well. But one Sunday morning after church, she pulled me side. She said, James, I, I don't know. She said, ah, something happened this past week. And she said, I had, I had an owl. I had an owl sit on my porch rail twice this week. I, 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 I don't know what to do with this. Well, if I would come to you this morning, I would say, hey, this past week, we had an owl sit on our porch rail. You would go, wow, really? Did you get any photos of it? We were just like, nothing would be the matter with that. But in their culture, when an owl sits on the windowsill or on the porch rail, that means something bad is going to happen. And it happened twice. And part of her was saying, I don't want to believe this. But part of her was saying, this is what I've been told all my life. Is there something to it? And so it's easy for us to integrate or to bring in the past. And I think something like this was going on with the the church at Corinth. Uh, There there was something that, there was was spirit-induced utterances in which they denigrated Jesus rather than truly worshipping him. In other words, it appeared that the gift of tongues was being misused. Uh, And it is this kind of misuse of spiritual gifts that oftentimes brings a division and schisms in the body of Christ. It is not the gift itself, but rather the misuse of the gift that fosters division. And so we've seen that happen, and maybe that's why we've sort of pushed against that a little bit and pushed away from that a little bit in the past. We've seen the misuse of them. But I would like to speak about the positive part of it and what it brings to the body of Christ this morning. The reason I say that it is not the gift itself, but rather the misuse that fosters division, the reason I say that, because the spirit of God cannot be divided. And That's what the text says. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. The gifts are different, The ministries are different. The activities are different that come from the various gifts that will be produced. But there is one God who works all in all like it says. Though people are gifted differently from God, God and his work are always united. I have a deep appreciation for the various gifts within the body of Christ. And uh, I have an equal appreciation for the diversity of gifts among our pastoral team, the ministry team. Um, We have just, in our last meeting, we started looking at some of the gifts that were among us. And I'm giving this maybe just a little bit, uh, especially for the local people here, to maybe give you a little bit of a heads up. Of uh, Of an exercise that we're going through, and have we have we given the right responsibilities to the right individuals uh, we have uh, as you know brother Keith is our senior deacon and and Laverne is our, our junior deacon and um, we have a young minister that just came on board he's 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 anointed by God with the gift of teaching, and it uh, does well with that. I've just been amazed how God has used him to bring messages and very thorough in his, in his approach. I have been amazed how often Keith has been able to present something very forthright and very black and white, very charitably. His his prophetic gift uh, is is used of the Lord. I you know I, I have seen I've sat with him when he sat across the youth or uh, across the table from uh, maybe a, a young man that was struggling, and and has spoken very bluntly, <laughs> but somehow it's received. Um, I can't do that. I just—it's not in me. I can't. I don't have that ability. Um, uh, Henry brought something out that—that—that uh, that, um, that I've noticed. Uh, I think when it talks here about the gift of wisdom, in uh, down in verse uh, the uh, in verse I think uh, eight, where it says to another the the, uh, the word of wisdom. I think God has given Keith the gift of wisdom. Um, he, is, he is very uh, he's a good source to go to when I've got questions, and I appreciate that. Uh, we've got another brother on the team that is, is just full of mercy. He is just full of being able to 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 go for the heart and to to to. Care for the heart of God, and uh, I appreciate that a lot. I'm told that one draft horse can pull approximately 8,000 pounds. Now that's four ton of weight, four ton of weight that one horse can pull. When we hitch two horses together, do you think that they can double that weight? How many think they can double that weight? How many think they can do more than double the weight? They can't. If you have two horses hitched together that are practiced pulling together, they can, do, they can pull up to 32,000 pounds. 16 ton. And I love that picture of the body of Christ. I can only pull 8,000 pounds myself. But when I'm hitched up with you, I can pull 32,000 pounds. I need you. I need you. You need me. We need each other. It's a beautiful picture of the body of Christ working. Isn't it sad how many churches and individuals have gone separate ways because we cannot appreciate the gift that God has given that individual? I'm, I'm grieved at how many churches have gone separate ways, have divided and, and, and have, have done so because we cannot get along, we cannot appreciate what the other person, what the other, what the other brother offers, the body of Christ. I'm struck, I was struck how many times, in fact I went through with my yellow highlighter, how many times in this one chapter the word O-N-E is mentioned. How many times one is mentioned. And it is 19 times. How like God to use different gifts to bring oneness of spirit to the body of Christ. Human logic would say that everyone needs to think the same. Everyone needs to be the same. Everyone has to, has to agree upon the same thing in order to be unified. But God's wisdom says I'm going to create about 25 different types of gifts. And impart them to my children so they know how to get along with each other. The gift is not the fault for bringing disharmony, nor is the giver of the gift responsible, but rather it is the recipient of the gift that allows germs and seeds of resentment to grow and foster and grow into a monster that destroys the work of God. Again, I would just appeal to you that we learn to appreciate each other as God has designed it to be. Secondly, the Spirit-filled manifestation is given to profit the body of Christ. Verse 7 through 10 talks about this, and I'm not going to reread that. But when I first put this bullet point down, I, I, the, 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 the way I had phrased it was, gifts will profit the body of Christ. And then I went back to Scripture. And I said, well, that's not what it says. It says the manifestation of the Spirit. Prophets, the body of Christ. And then I also took note that it doesn't say the manifestations. It's not plural, it's singular. And I think there's a reason for that because there's only one God, one Lord, and one Spirit, according to verse 4 through 6. God works personally through each of his children. And so there is a manifestation. One Spirit, one Lord, one God. There's a, and when that begins to happen, we see God bringing forth various gifts in the body of Christ. Here are, are uh, there, there's about eight or nine of them that are mentioned in this passage of Scripture. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healings, working of miracles, prophecy, interpretation of tongues and tongues. And then, then we also have other passages of Scripture that we'll look at later on where we see um, the, the various gifts being brought up in the book of Romans, chapter 12. In fact, we, is what we would refer to as the motivational gifts. Oftentimes they're referred to as motivational gifts. <clears throat> motivational gifts are, are, are listed as the, the, the prophet and the teacher and the exhorter the giver, the one that has mercy, the administrator. And then in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, we have what we call the calling gifts, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, teachers, and pastors. And all of these working together for the body of Christ, for the sake of the body of Christ. I have a sister-in-law that I have observed uh, throughout the years And when we're together as an extended family, she's typically the first one to jump up after we have eaten a meal. And she'll begin very quietly in just her own little way, clearing the table and organizing the kitchen and start cleaning up. Uh, We were together several months ago and uh, we were at my sister's place, Deb and Dave. And and we had eaten the main course and, and Deb was out in the kitchen getting the dessert ready. And all of a sudden, I saw my sister-in-law stand up and go out, and she began to help Deb get, get the pie and the ice cream and begin to serve. She's got the gift of serving. She just serves people very quietly in her own way. But that's how she's fulfilled, by serving other people. If we go to the book of Ephesians, <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, and if you want to just turn over there for, for briefly Ephesians chapter 4, and there's something that I discovered just recently, a message that I heard that I had never picked up on before, and I was very, very challenged and blessed by it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, and I'm going to read that passage. It says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. And I'm going to stop there. I I became aware through this brother that the King James Version of the Scripture puts a comma at the wrong place. Now, if you understand uh, how the Scriptures were put together, we realize that at one point there was no punctuation at all in the Scriptures. And, um, and in the King James Version, it would read like this, verse 12. That Okay, now think about what he's saying here. He's, he's given the pastoral gifts. Uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He's given these for, it says in verse 12, for the equipping of the saints. And then in the King James, it puts a comma there. For the equipping of the saints, comma, for the work of ministry, comma, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So, if, that is, if we would truly use that punctuation, it would say that God gave the, the, the pastoral gifts to the body for the equipping of the saints, one, two, for the, for the work of ministry, and three, for the edifying of the body of Christ. But that's not how the original trans- translation would read. And by the way... One of the reasons I like the New King James is it does put it in there accurately. There is no comma after the equipping of the saints. The pastoral gifts are given to the body of Christ for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. You guys do the work of the ministry. Okay? The congregation, our responsibility as pastors is to equip you so that you can do the work and then for the edifying of the body that's also our responsibility as pastors and I like that I like that picture there by the way the idea here that we have the equipping of the saints has the idea of complete furnishing complete furnishing This is part of our responsibility as pastors, is to completely furnish you. Make sure you're well fed. Make sure that you're equipped for your responsibility. Several, About a year and a half ago, we moved, obviously, where we live now. And we basically used the same furniture that we had owned in our previous home. And for the most part, it fit in very well in our new space. However, we do have a spot in our living room (laughs) that is waiting patiently, and maybe sometimes not so patiently, for another couch or another sofa. By the way, it is on order, and uh, much to my wife's joy. Um, But it wasn't completely furnished, okay? It wasn't completely furnished. The Spirit of God has anointed your pastors and their responsibility is to completely furnish you. Four, secondly, the work of the ministry. It is the same word that we find, or the same root word that we find over in 1 Timothy chapter 3, <clears throat> when Paul is talking about the... Um, the work of the deacons. It is the same word, the work of ministry and the work of the deacons. It's the same root word. and it carries something of the idea to attend to the need to a need, attending to a need. And uh, I would just like to, to really call that out in each one of you. There, there's just, there is work for everybody. And you know that we promote that. And we will, by God's grace, continue to promote that. I, if, if you're bored at church, well, come talk to us. I'm trying to figure out how to get everything done. Um, boredom is, is of your own making. I'm just going to speak very bluntly. Boredom is of your own making. If you start looking... <laughs> ways God has given according to the scripture God has given each one a gift and start discovering your gift where do you feel fulfilled that's one of the questions I ask young people when they say I don't know what God's will is in my life well what brings you what brings a smile on your face well, I like working with children well what ministries are out there where you can start exercising your love for children And you know when we start plugging in what brings fulfillment to the body of Christ suddenly there is life and there's something that we can offer. Uh, We have a sister in our congregation and I've heard her say personally and I don't mean to call you out Judy but I've heard Judy say you know if you want to bring a burden to me put me on the food committee. Um, But put Judy up in front of a group of 800 women and organize that, she excels. And, and, and so, why should we saddle a sister with something that just really doesn't bring any joy? Oh, she can do it. She's competent enough to do it. I know she could. But it doesn't bring fulfillment to her. Why not saddle her with things that bring joy and energy? And something that brings life and edification to other people and I'm just signaling her out there's many here this morning I could do the same thing with and by the way I have been so blessed in the recent years we used to take nominees for the teachers and now we just open up is there anyone that feels led and feels called to teach and I've just appreciated how you have responded to me that brings joy that you say, you know what, I feel like God has asked me to teach. And that's, there's nothing proud about that, or there shouldn't be anything pride, there's no pride involved in that. It's simply saying, you know what, I want to give in this way. And I think there's, there's, there's uh, energy in that. <clears throat> and then, of course, lastly, in that passage of Scripture, it says edifying, it's for the edification of the church. The idea has an architecture, or a structure, or a building. I would understand this to mean, that the various gifts bring structure and sustenance to the body of Christ. I need the gift my brother offers. I am incomplete without that gift, or the gift that my sister brings into the congregation. When building building blocks are missing in a structure, it becomes the weak link of the body, or of the building. And I think that's why I also would just say on top of that that you know, there's, there's just real value in being committed to a local body of believers. And that's why it hurts when somebody does leave. It's because I need you. You're part of it. And, uh, and, and we want you to be part of it. Thirdly, gifts are distributed at will by the Spirit of God. Twice it says that. In verse 11, I um, need to go back to 1 Corinthians 12, in verse 11, <clears throat> it says that, uh, But one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually as He wills, as God wills. And then again in verse 18, But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleases. You see, we don't take ownership of our gift. It is something that God gives, and he places it at his will. Paul uses the human body uh, to illustrate the need for unis- unity in the midst of diversity. He recognizes there are many members, yet one physical body. Believers are, a whole, are, are infused, they, they are part of a whole body that is infused by one God I recall years ago when I was a young chap and we were over at some friends place and a bunch of us children were outside playing and the one uh, person was giving a little girl a ride on the back of the bike. And as she was going, she was was barefoot. The little girl was barefoot. And yes, she got her toe into the spoke of the bike and it cut off her big toe. Well, it's just the big toe, right? No. She had to learn how to balance herself again. We don't stop to think what that big toe does to the body. But the big toe, if you think about it, consciously think about how often your big toe goes down there and and stabilizes you, that's what the big toe is for. It's smelly and not all that pretty most of the time, but it is needed. It is needed, and it is missed when it is not there. The Spirit of God gives these gifts to his believers and, uh, and, and he does it at his, at his will. Fourth and last, I would like to say, suggest that gifts are given to motivate care for the body. And I make a distinction from this one from the second one that I, that I had mentioned when I said that gifts are given to profit the body. I make a distinction with this one that they're given for the care of the body. Verse 19 uh, gives this idea here where it says that, and if they were all members, where would be the body? Uh, but now, indeed, there are many members, uh, yet one body. And let's see, I'm going to jump down to verse 25, I think it is. Uh, that there should be no schism in the body but that the members should have the same care for one another. That's why God gives these gifts, these various gifts, to the body of Christ, that they care for one another. Take your Bibles and turn over to 1 Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4, Peter also reiterates the same thought. In verse 10, it says, And as each one has received a gift, He's not nailing down any particular gift. It just says, as each one, so don't tell me that you don't have a gift. You are gifted. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. There it is. He's calling us to use the gift to minister to one another. Several months ago, well almost a half a year ago, many of you are aware that our good friend Mary Jane Meekus passed away very unexpectedly and very suddenly. I just again the other day at work I came across an email that just panged my heart. She wrote me a letter, an email last summer, and she asked Gladnight to come up and visit her. And uh, we had good intentions, it just didn't happen, and all of a sudden she was gone. And um, wow, we were just, we were so tore. We had some previous commitments, and we didn't know what we should do. We wanted so badly to be at the funeral, and we had some previous commitments. We didn't know how to juggle them, and finally we made the very, very difficult decision not to go for the, for the funeral and that Sunday morning, as you recall, Glad shared with you uh, of our loss, and um, and after the service, many of you gave your gave your condolences and and just uh, yeah shared uh, comfort and offered prayers, and we really really appreciated that. But what amazed me even more, had never even crossed my mind, is that the next day, a sister in this congregation stopped by with a bouquet of flowers. And... uh, just supporting our loss couldn't believe it and then the following day we received another bouquet of flowers from another couple in this congregation with words of encouragement and blessing you know my gift I would I don't think I would have ever thought of doing that to somebody else uh, I hope I, I learned something I hope I I've learned something through that but I just don't think in terms of giving gifts. But obviously we had somebody that, that was a giver and could sympathize and, and express themselves. And that was very, very appreciated. I just want you to know how much that was appreciated. Um, again, we, just, we yeah, just didn't think about it that someone would do that for us. Gifts are intended to be used to minister grace within the body of Christ. The word gift is charisma in uh, in the Greek. And it is derived from the word charis, which is the word grace. Now, think about that. When we use our charisma, when we use our gift, we extend grace To the recipient, my gift offers grace when it is given in the body. Your gift, your charisma, offers grace to those who receive it. So, again, I just want to encourage you that you should never think that you have nothing to offer the body of Christ, regardless how small it may be, the size of the gift is not the issue of importance with God. But whether it is being utilized is what is, being, what is important. I'd like to turn over to Matthew chapter 25. Jesus gives us a parable here. Matthew 25, he gives us a parable. And it's the parable about the, the, uh, the talents. And we know the story well, I'm sure. To one, he gave five talents. To another, he gave two, and to another, one. And nowhere in this story does Jesus talk about the importance of the talent. But what was it that was important to Jesus? Or what was it that was important to the uh, the one that was uh, giving the talents away? What was important? Anyone? How he used it, what he did with it. The first one who had received five went and he, he, he traded it in and, and he invested it and, and he made five more talents. The second one took the two that he had and he went and invested that and he got two more. The one that received one talent, but just a small, I'm just nobody, I don't have anything to give. You know, the little bit I have, um, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to bury it. So that I've got it to give back to God when he comes. And listen to the words in verse 25, 26. But his Lord answered him, said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reaped where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received you back to my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. Listen, if you're not going to use your talent, what does it say? It's going to be taken from you. And who's it going to be given to? The ones that are using it. And so, again, let's not be that wicked and lazy servant that will give away or give up need to give up the little that has been given to us be faithful with what has been given to us i'd like to close with one more verse if you turn over to romans chapter 12 it's the same verse or the same passage of scripture that lists the motivational gifts what we what i refer to at least as the motivational gifts romans chapter 12 at the beginning of this of this dissertation on the gifts in verse 6 he he says this Having then gifts Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us let us use them. And my exhortation to you this morning is to use the gift that has been given to you. Let's pray and then I'm going to let Keith is Keith not here Jake would you come and close then? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, that you would just um, use the words that have been, have been spoken this morning to continue to build the body of Christ, to edify those who, who uh, have sat under the teaching of your word. Lord, may our charisma be an extension of your grace. We pray this in your name. Amen.